0: Well, we're gonna jump right in Uh, we just have a couple more messages in Nehemiah uh, and um, we are gonna be looking uh, today um, at Nehemiah chapter 9 and this is part two we we began chapter 9 last week and we're just gonna go to verse 15 today Um, and uh, the thing with Nehemiah chapter 9 is that Nehemiah is here in this particular this particular chapter there is um, There is a really profound a powerful picture of repentance And a recognition that repentance as we considered last week that we don't repent to receive grace We received grace which brings about repentance that repentance is uh, is it truly a change of mind a change of direction uh, it's a change of, of, uh, of loyalty, if you will. I was going this way. I was following this reality. I was about these dreams. I was about these hopes. I was, I was fascinated with, with this ideology. And Jesus comes in and disrupts our whole universe and says, yeah, uh, none of that matters. Uh, what matters is I created you to be... Intimately engaged with me. I Created you to worship me and here's the thing about worship and repentance uh, And it was just so beautiful just those two songs. There was just such a, a sense of reverence and, and um, A sense of God's presence uh, That I think is uh, the thing that we're, we're we're after at door of hope is we want We don't want to just come and learn things. I don't want you to just come and learn things I want you to come To be a witness to the living Christ and I want you to experience his presence and I want you to be inviting People that desperately need to know that they are loved To desperately need to know that there is actually a foundation um, In this uh, world that feels so Absolutely unstable (laughs) In every arena that there's actually a, a solid A solid ground that one can build their their life on and what we want to present at Door of Hope is not mansions, pretty mansions built on sand. I would much rather us be a church that, uh, that has the messiness of mixture. We wear our brokenness on our sleeves. We recognize that the only difference between us and someone that has not yet come to saving faith in Jesus is that we're both broken people, we've just said yes the only one that can help anybody and that's why as Christians the humility that is necessary for us to understand that the only thing that makes a saint a saint is you are just a sinner that cried out mercy (laughs) I give (laughs) Lord I'm done fighting you I don't want to fight you anymore Um, I want to surrender to you and what I see in Nehemiah what is so powerful about this awakening this revival is God's goodness has brought these people to a place of repentance they have awakened To the beauty and the goodness of God in spite of their mixture in spite of their rebellion In spite of their their parents and their grandparents rebellion That God has stayed true to his covenantal promises that he's brought them back to the promised land Um and, and though it, it they don't possess the land in the way that they once did God has truly been faithful and he's shown up and his presence is what's bringing them to their knees. It's not a preacher beating them over the head with how bad they are. It's actually the kindness of God that has led them to repentance, which is what it says in Romans two. And so what I wanna focus in on today is the first part of the prayer that they pray um, as a people repentant. And what they focus in on is God's goodness. Before they get into their rebellion, they focus in on the nature and the character of God. And let me just start off by saying this about the character and the nature of God. Everything that God reveals about Himself in Scripture directly corresponds to His relationship with humanity. Everything that God cho- cho- chooses to reveal about Himself corresponds to His relationship with us. Uh, we being the image bearers of God, and though that image is marred, um, and though every arena of our existence has been infiltrated by this three-letter word that people don't like to talk about anymore called sin, which is humanity's rebellion against God's rule and a rejection of His grace, um, which is what flows out of that rebellion and that rejection is all the little things that we do wrong which is why repentance isn't saying I'm sorry for this thing or that thing repentance is Lord I give you my whole self the good parts and the bad parts and I am yours you save me that's the that's one of my favorite lines in the Bible I am yours you save me it comes from Psalm 119 and David sticks that right in the center of the prayer I think it's like verse 92 I am yours you save me that should be, that is, that is the, the prayer of the repentant sinner. Uh, it's not that I feel bad that I got caught for doing this bad thing. <laughs> no, it's Lord, I am lost and I am, I am, I am a, a wreck without you. I just give you my whole self. And I'm trusting that you already know what a massive failure I am. And that seems to be the very kind of person you died for. So I'm going to cast all of my hope, all of my weight on that reality. That is the, that is the reality of repentance. It is, it is the, the confronting, the sinner being confronted with the holy love of a God who cares. Who comes down and meets us in our brokenness and calls us to himself. So, there are three things that we're going to look at um, today in this this prayer. And we're going to begin in Nehemiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 8. The first thing we see uh, is the recognition of God as both creator and sovereign God of creation and sovereignty. He is the one true God. The one who spoke, and the universe leapt into existence. Look at these words. You are the Lord. You alone. Notice, this is, this is a people that are actually under the rule of a, of a kingdom, the Persian Empire. They are under that rule. And yet, notice what they say. This is, this is very much in line with what you see in the early church, in uh, the lives that were put... They, they, they put their lives on the line uh, when they declared not that Caesar is Lord, but that what? Jesus is Lord whoever confesses with their lips that Jesus is Lord and believes in their heart that God raised him from the dead Shall be saved their hope was based upon This God who alone is Lord and to put your allegiance with the Lord your God is to put yourself In um in opposition to the lords of this world You are the lord you alone And now look god of creation you have made heaven The heaven of heavens with all their hosts the earth and all that is on it The seas and all that is in them and you preserve all of them And the host of heaven worships you You are the lord the god who chose Abram, and brought him out of Ur of the Chaldeans, and gave him the name Abraham. You found his heart faithful before you, and made with him the covenant to give his offspring the land of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Perizzite, the Jebusite, and the Girgashite. And you have kept your promise, for you are righteous. Notice they are acknowledging. God's faithfulness in light of their unfaithfulness. Um, And this this is a profound thing. But I want us to just note a couple things about the God of creation and the God who is sovereign. The first thing it states is that there is nothing that is, uh, there is nothing in this world, uh, everything in creation uh, is due to the creative work of the God who spoke into existence, everything that is uh, out of nothing. The one who spoke the universe into existence out of nothing. Now, I don't think we actually ponder this reality much, and, and as a guy who's become deeply obsessed over the last year with um, the mysterious uh, uh, discoveries of the 20th century, like quantum mechanics, uh, and ever since I read the book when we cease to understand the world, uh, which is my favorite novel of last year Next to the passenger by Cormac McCarthy I, I think I've given that book to like probably 15 people now uh, Which it delves into the greatest discoveries of the 20th century But the most magnificent and mysterious discovery is the discovery of quantum mechanics Which is why each one of you have a smartphone or commu- a computer that works um, But here's the thing about quantum mechanics We know that it works Every time but we don't Know how it works It doesn't actually make any sense It doesn't play with the rules With the laws of the universe In, in any way that makes Sense it, it seems to bend Time itself uh, It's not we're not Dealing with particles or waves We're kind of dealing with both it's kind of like It, 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 it speaks To the, the unseen reality Behind God's Uh, Handiwork and man can't figure it out But we've learned how to tap Tap the truth of it without understanding it And I I always think it's a really powerful illustration of uh, someone uh, You know, I was talking with with uh, an agnostic guy who was just saying, you know, I just they uh, It's just it's not provable what you believe in and I I'm like I'm like, well, you can't prove to me quantum mechanics all we can look at is the fruit of it but you don't you can't explain it to me Einstein couldn't explain it nobody can explain it it's all built upon paradox and probabilities uh, and nobody understands it but we know it works I would say the same is true for Christianity I think it's dishonest for science to claim I mean you see the signs all over Portland I believe in science and I think does it even say I, I think it even says I believe in water or something weird like well, who doesn't believe in want? Like, that's weird. <laughs> Only Portland. I mean, it's just like, it's an, I, but it's all, but really, at the end of the day, that sign is essentially an attack on those archaic belief systems that, that we specifically, it's an attack on Christianity, um, which is so fascinating to me um, because it's all wrapped up in, you know, I believe that love is love. Okay. Yeah, well, good. Explain that to me. Explain to me what you mean by love. Because I know what I mean by love because Biblical love is grace and grace is love without contingency But there's there's not a lot of love for anyone that doesn't hold to your particular views on anything Uh, so what, what's going on here, but the, I love that I believe in science as opposed to in a god I can't prove there's so much in science that you can't prove <laughs> But we experience the effects of it This is the same for the gospel for you and I the creator god. I what I love is that the creator god is that it's not surprising to me that human intelligence has come up against a wall when it comes to understanding creation at at its most fundamental level. That all of a sudden you enter into what is truly a mysterious void, a secrecy that I think is wrapped up um, in the secret decrees of God. And, And I think like we can we can maybe come up with with different ideas and there's evidences of how things how things change in the universe and all that all of that but but at the back of all of it you are always going to run up against this great wall and the wall i would argue is the god of the universe who spoke That's what I see when I actually look at the science and that's what that book actually um, when we cease to understand the world The author is not a believer from what I can tell and yet what he seems to be um, Hinting at is that these great thinkers of the 20th century what they came up against and what they as they were pushing the um, The furthest reaches of discovery on how the world is made and all of these things They're trying to understand the universe that we live in what they come up against is God And Often it would unhinge them Psychologically, they would have these guys that won Nobel Prizes and also every time a human taps some kind of power um, Some something in creation where we figure it out it unleashes some kind of destructive force at the same time because this is the outcome of the of the of the fall in, in Human existence is that we're always trying to recreate Eden, but every time we try to move the needle toward some sort of utopian future. It actually creates a dystopian reality uh, the guy who Caused the population of the world to go from 1.5 billion to 6.5 billion in less than hundred years is the man who Invented fertilizer they they call him the man who um, Brought bread out of the air uh, because fertilizer before that was made from bones and from from Droppings, you know, it's like there, there was, there wasn't enough fertilizer, so he creates fertilizer. But he was also the man who is the father of chemical warfare and unleashed gas on the on the Belgian uh, of war front during World War One that killed 10,000 soldiers. Uh, and his wife was so horrified, who was also a PhD in chemistry, that her husband would utilize a technology that was meant to bring life. To actually bring death and destruction, that she took his revolver out of his holster and shot herself in the chest and died in their 13 year old's arms, only to find out that he won the Nobel Prize for his fertilizer. And guess what the Nazis used in the gas chambers? The fertilizer. And he was a German Jew, and he was a general in the First World War, and yet. His whole family was completely wiped out by the Nazis with his own technology that he discovered This is a picture of human beings trying to be God Play God What I love about this prayer is this is an acknowledgement that God alone is the creator of all things and only he can create in such a way That he can say it is good and when God spoke the universe into existence What we see again and again is he says it's good. It's good It's good. It's very good. And when God says something is good, He's saying essentially, it is what I intended it to be. It's what I intended it to be. And I love this. You have made the heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their hosts. So not just what is seen, but you have made what is unseen as well. And we believe as Christians that there is a seen world and there is an unseen world. And that heaven and earth are intersecting. And there is a presence of the God who is spirit dwelling with us. We believe that God is the creator of the entire spiritual world as well as, well as the material world. But it goes on to say something else about Him as creator. And it begins to point us toward His sovereignty. It begins with His sovereignty by declaring that He's Lord. He is the one who ultimately is the final author of his of the narrative of creation. And someone will ask me, well how does human responsibility play into God's sovereignty? And and which is it? Is it God's sovereignty or human responsibility? And the answer every time must be yes. <laughs> it's just yes. It's both. And we can't escape the commands for us to acknowledge God as Lord. And The possibility of rejecting him as Lord uh, nor can we escape God's ultimate control over all that is He says this and all that is on it the seas and all that is in them and you preserve all of them The preservation of creation Uh, You know right now there's I just was in this bookstore in Cannon Beach and there was a conversation between this uh, this Indian man Um, uh, he was from I forget, it's a tribe up in Washington. Um, uh, I think the, um, in Puyallup. And uh, he was part of this canoe trip. Really just, uh, he just, he was a very beautiful, calming man, like quintessential, like long braids and just had this very peaceful presence. I was talking with him a little bit, um, but I was listening to him have a conversation with the store owner who is like a big conspiracy guy. Um, and uh, and <laughs> And he said, He goes, well, there's got to be something we can do to save the world. That's what the store owner said. And the Indian man said, he goes, yeah, I don't think so. (laughs) And he goes, he goes, what do you mean? He goes, he goes, I think it's too late. I think, I think that ship has sailed. And he's like, well, what do you think we should do? And he said, be responsible. Extend it as long as it can. But all the signs are telling us that it is winding down. That we are spinning toward oblivion I don't I didn't get the sense that this man was a Christian but he actually sounded like one because he had this weird gentle kind of graciousness a positivity about the possibility of still actually doing good but also a very realistic vision of the fact that human beings seem hell-bent on destroying the world that God has created Uh, and this guy's like so you're really telling me there's no hope you think, and he's like, "Yeah, I don't. Th- I don't think we can. i like, we're gonna, we're gonna fix, fix it." And uh, it was, it was a really amusing conversation. And I wanted to just like, as a pastor, <laughs> I have some thoughts. Uh, and uh, you know, this is the thing with, with Christians. I love this 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 idea that God is the pre- is the preserver of the universe. This is meant. I want to give this to you as 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 hope, but realistic hope. And that is, I don't believe, um, there's, there are lots of views on God's providence in human history. Uh, there's a particular view that is, I think, extreme and creates a determinism that is unhealthy. And anyone that I've ever met that really holds tenaciously to it, um, it, 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 it just, it's just very, it's very bleak. And it's called meticulous providence, which is that there is nothing that happens that God hasn't ordained Um, the problem is, is when they state that my immediate reaction was like, well, if that is true, then God is responsible for sin. And they're like, well, no, you can't do that. I'm going to appeal to mystery there Um, because he can't be responsible for sin. But you're saying that there is nothing that anyone does, even the reprobate, the sinner, the, the, the one who is not fortunate enough to be chosen which this only comes from those that declare themselves to be chosen by the way i've never heard an unchosen person um uh, make this argument uh which kind of (laughs) one-sided let's just uh, and it's and it and and the chosen always also seem to be a very very small contingency of the world's population um because god uh, uh, in their mind has created the majority of Humanity, for the purpose of demonstrating his glory through his wrath, and i 'm like man i don 't know i 'm going to go with with uh, with Wesley on that one. your God might be my devil um, and, and that meticulous providence is that and, and, and here 's the thing then i 'll say okay so you 're telling me that when you do something stupid when you when you have the thoughts you shouldn't have when you look at the things you shouldn't do when you're when you're lazy When you when you're proud when you're elevated when you think you're chosen and no one else is hey Like so you're telling me that god's responsible for that even Because you're te- if I follow your your train of thought your logic. You're you're saying that god's god's preservation Of existence is actually his control of existence every single element of it and, and The answer is like, yeah, that's basically what I'm saying uh, I, Not many people hold to that view, but there are those that hold to that um, And and I think it's a deeply problematic view that does a tremendous amount of damage to the character of God and creates excuse for sin uh, Which I find and it removes any necessity of evangelism uh, all of those things which I think go directly against the commands of God uh, I also think that if Jesus sets us free, if there is any freedom for the Christian, we actually have to be somewhat in And li- let me just say, I'm reformed in a very Luther sense. Uh, man is not free to reach God in his own effort. Uh, but I'm not so interested in what happens uh, horizontally. Uh, I'm, t- I'm interested in that vertical reality. Unless God intervened into the human, the human dilemma, there is no hope for any of us. But if Jesus sets us free, though it is freedom that is limited, it is still limited freedom. And wherever there is freedom, even if it's limited, there is the possibility of making a mess of that freedom. And that is evidenced every day. I mean, I'm just pragmatic about it. I see the ways that people misuse their freedom as Christians. And in fact, is, is if it wasn't possible, Paul would not spend so much time and Peter saying, for freedom's sake you have been set free therefore do not use your freedom to serve the flesh. Well if everything is just programmed uh, that verse is completely unnecessary. Actually the Bible is unnecessary if everything's just programmed and we're automata. Uh, that's, that's a problem. No the freedom that we receive as Christians is, is actually the ability to create absolute disasters out of our lives. That's why someone told me in the beginning of uh, Door of Hope, actually Gary Bashir's at Western Seminary, I said I made the, the statement, I made the big providence statement. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm just trusting that the church is in God's hand. It's like, he's like, oh, it's true, the big C church is in God's hand. But don't think for a second you can't make an absolute mess out of Door of Hope. And I was like, I don't like that. I'm kind of trying to use providence to my benefit right now in this particular case Because uh, that's how we like it. We like we like it when it serves us We don't like providence when it was like we, we don't like to throw up the the, the flag the providence flag um, When it doesn't serve us uh, And so here's the thing What I would say about God's preservation is that Jesus holds the keys to life and death And he holds the keys he holds the keys to the to the beginning of the story and the end of the story And that human beings have just enough freedom (laughs) and it is limited freedom. And I believe the only people that are truly free are actually those who have been born again and regenerated. And that's why I think that so many Christians actually live defeated lives is because they don't understand that that freedom is is the daily ability to again and again surrender to the Lordship of Christ. Um, And so what happens is that when we refuse to surrender to the lordship of christ We find ourselves like the children of israel wandering around in the wilderness Uh, And we're we're not we're not uh, Recognizing god's desire for us to actually be in intimate relationship with him We're not getting to know the one whom we have put our faith in Here's what I do love about this passage though is whatever freedom we do have God ultimately has the ability to take things that he did not plan nor cause and weave it into his redemptive purposes and nothing will override his story nothing Tozer once used this illustration he said it's like a cruise ship leaving New York and going to London he's like this is how he's like this is kind of how I picture it we all have this Freedom to go anywhere we want on the cruise ship, but we ultimately like you're gonna end up where we end up <laughs> it's like and that's that, 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 Even that's a little bleaker than I'm comfortable with what I like actually is the illustration of token in the Silmarillion um, In the creation st- narrative is when the the creator God of Middle-earth begins to sing creation into existence there are these other angelic beings uh, that are kind of like lesser beings Uh, but powerful that he sings through and they they are they're partnering with him They're taking his song and they're singing into existence middle earth. But one of the one of these angelic beings takes notice of himself And all of a sudden a dissonant note enters into the into the creation song and it threatens middle earth. It actually begins to bring, um, Chaos and destruction into the creation and then other of the beings notice that he notices himself And they begin to look inward and more dissonant notes go in until almost the entire creation collapses and then the creator god Sings out an entirely new movement that incorporates the dissonant notes Overriding all of it and bringing about something even more beautiful I think that Is a very profound way of token Working in, out in his mind what is still, on some levels, a mystery, which is how God has the ability to take the dissonant notes of life and weave it into His redemptive purposes. We can trust in our God. I don't care how dark the days are. I don't care how insane our world gets. Where things seem to be going, uh, you know, politically or on a social level, all those things. It matters in that we are called to be engaged with the world without succumbing to it We can't hide from it nor should we nor should we um, Become like it, but we are called to be witnesses in the midst of it So we need to understand the world we live in but I am not fearful of When I read the stats right now that Currently christianity is on the massive decline in america And that the largest percentage um, uh the 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 largest group in America right now are the nuns those that have zero religious affiliation Um, that is fascinating to me it's at 37 percent or something like that it's the highest it's ever been in American history evangelicals held the highest number in the 70s Um, In like 76 it was like 36 percent and now it's those who have no religious affiliation whatsoever And that can feel overwhelming and it can feel sad it can feel like and the world it just keeps getting hotter and you know global warming and people abandoning their faith and it's like like should we even believe any of this stuff because it doesn't seem like it's getting any better have we not read our bibles friends because i'm pretty sure that jesus said that it was gonna get worse before he came back it's also why i have just as much of an issue with the idea that you can somehow make heaven on earth we got to get it ready for jesus like you aren't getting this world ready for jesus uh you just need to be a witness to him and be a responsible citizen but you're not going to save anything I, I this is where i agreed with my with my indian friend like yeah you know the it might be we might be a little late We should be responsible because we are stewards of the creation that God that God made that we should actually care about things But our primary goal is not to save the environment. Our primary goal is to bring the, the gospel of Jesus To a lost world and Jesus said that hostility toward the faith would increase and it would hit a boiling point before he returned He also said that many would leave the faith and we're told in, in 2 Timothy, in chapter 3, in the last days, the love of many will grow cold. And men and women will become lovers of themselves, proud, disobedient to parents. I guarantee you, 50 years ago, you would be hard-pressed to see a child in a playground like you see all the time in Portland Screaming at their parent how much they hate them and hitting them while the parent passively just receives it like they're the child's slave You would not have seen that 50 years ago. The times are changing and It's true that today we are closer to the return of Jesus Than we've ever been before So you want to know when he's coming back because I figured out the date <laughs> That's my next slide. It's actually October 21st 2000, no, <laughs> can you imagine? He'd be like, all right, Josh has gone crazy. <laughs> if, if I had a little graph and like pictures, like I had it all figured out, like you know that scene in The Brilliant Mind with Russell Crowe where he, 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 like they see he's crazy. He has like all the strings attached. That's my slide. Like I figured it out. I walked through it with Darcy. She wouldn't listen to me because she didn't want to hear. Um, but I think I'm right. My cal- And ask Darcy, I am good at math. So good. The biggest embarrassment to her when we first uh, got together was that whenever I tried to figure out a tip uh, I'd always go like this Like it's just like two dollars like just two dollars. What are you counting? It's like at least count with your hand under the table (laughs) All of this to say is that this God is a God who is in control of his creation And I also want to say That We have a responsibility today to surrender to his lordship To surrender to his lordship because we can either get on board Or we can be crushed By fighting against the one Whom you don't want to fight against because jesus says you'll either be broken on the rock or you will be crushed by it And I would just rather be broken on the rock broken again and again because god can do so much for the broken heart He can do nothing with a divided heart and I don't want to be a rebellious heart that that forces the corrective hand of a God who will correct the missteps and will actually override uh, those those areas in my life that he would not choose for me I trust in his ability um, to bring me through to the end so that I believe in his sovereign ability To override, But where I see God's sovereignty played out is all I would say about sovereignty is it just means that God is free to do what He wants in accordance with His plans, His purposes, and His character. That's what sovereignty is. And how He chooses to fulfill His redemptive story is His business. But I do know that He has invited us to surrender to His story every day. And that responsibility lies with us as His children. Notice what it says here that he chose Abram and brought him. This is God's intervention into his rebellious world Abram gives him a new name and yet Abraham responds to God's choosing And that that response Actually pleases God. God finds his heart faithful Abraham Went where God called him to go not knowing where he was going And So here you see once again the sovereignty of God God's intervention He chose Abraham, but why did he choose him? It wasn't I chose you and rejected everyone else I chose you so that I can use you as a conduit to be a blessing to others I'm going to bless the world through your seed. That's the goal. That's always the goal. The logic of election is God's God's love is elective. He chooses to love sinners in their sin and God's love is also holy. He's not content to leave us there And so what I see here is God's love finally is creative the creator God actually births in us the capacity uh, to actually experience the love uh, And to be conduits of that creative love that love that comes without contingency God is both creator and sovereign and I am grateful for that. I can trust him. I don't have to be afraid Of what's happening in the world. I just have to be faithful to him and to be a witness to him. The God of salvation and power in verses 9 through 10, it says, and you saw the affliction of our fathers in Egypt and heard their cry in the Red Sea and performed signs and wonders against Pharaoh and all his servants and all the people of his land. For you knew that they acted arrogantly against our fathers and you made a name for yourself as it is to this day. And you divided the sea before them so that they went through the midst of the sea on dry land And you cast their pursuers into the depths as a stone into mighty waters We can trust God with our lives and one of the things I love about this prayer Is it says two things that I think are really profound That apply to us today God is the same yesterday and today and forever It says that he saw their affliction and He heard their cries He saw their affliction and he heard their cries and he actually intervened on their behalf and He fought their battle for them And what that tells me is one supreme thing that each one of you need to hold on to in the depths of your heart Because the days will go darker because that's what scripture declares they will but you need to know that no matter how dark the days That the darkness of the days does not stop the fact That God cares about you If the gospel means anything it means that he cares about you He knows exactly where you're at. He knows how you're hurting. He knows where you're weak. He knows He knows the the depths of your being. And and this should also teach us that when we cry out to God, He is not deaf to our suffering. I don't need to know why I suffer. I don't need to know why I lose people I love. I don't need to know why why I hurt. I just need to know that Jesus understands it and He has done something about it. And I will say that again and again because it's so central to, to our understanding of the gospel and it's one of the main reasons that people walk away from their faith is that they're tired of Coming into church and watching a bunch of Christians try to present an ideal that they actually can't live and they become weird Little like robot figures who are more obsessed with their morality um, Than they are with knowing the living Christ. I would much rather you be someone who knows Jesus intimately uh, and you know And has a salty tongue (laughs) than a person that never swears, never reads their Bible every day, does the prayer meetings, but doesn't love people and doesn't seem to know the Jesus they believe in. Uh, That's a problem to me and so I would much rather us just be honest that we're far more messy and sinful than we like to admit. If we would just be honest enough to say that we can't even get out of bed Without, without violating God's law, <laughs> which is why we should be very grateful that Jesus is the end of the law. <laughs> uh, this is why we should be turning them, because the thing that will actually cause us to live differently and to actually begin to move the needle of sanctification is by the recognition of every day, Lord, without you, I'm lost. I'm, this is the AA meeting. I'm lost. I need you. You are the God. Who has seen my affliction and my affliction is great and my suffering is great and my my heart cries out to be right with you and god you care and i'm just going to trust you that you don't want this or that part of me you don't want this or that bad habit you just want me and so i just simply say to you the god of my salvation and the god who is the source of all real power for i'm not ashamed of the gospel of christ For is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes i'm going to trust the good parts of me and the terrible parts of me i'm putting it all in your hand you do with me what you want i am yours you save me in the words of mary one of the most beautiful prayers of faith you've spoke it now you do it lord when he gave her the promise that through her she would bring the she would give birth to the messiah and mary's That teenage girl in all of her in all of her sweetness the most blessed woman that's ever lived You have to ask the question. This is one of the things that the around suffering that's so mysterious She's the most blessed woman we're told But she had to have asked the question throughout the entire life of 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 jesus Is this what it means to be blessed? (laughs) Is this what it means to be blessed which shows us that our economy is not the same as the kingdom of god and his economy What we need to ask is not what does it mean to be blessed? It just we just need to ask what does it mean to follow Jesus no matter what? Are we willing to step into the dark and find ourselves on the rock and the life of following christ is costly and it's often painful and it's often uncomfortable and The the fact is is that None of the disciples probably would have followed him if they had if if they knew up front how their stories were going to end um And Jesus wasn't withholding from them because what he was trying to teach them is the same thing He's trying to teach us every day. It doesn't matter Where our lives go as long as Jesus is the one leading Doesn't matter where I'm at as long as you're leading I don't want heaven on earth without Jesus because the only thing that makes heaven heaven is Jesus's presence there and so this is why again and again they we have to turn and I love this These people are coming to a place of conviction and they're reflecting on the awesome faithfulness of God and His love for them in spite of their rebellion. He is the God of salvation and the God of power. Finally, He is the God of guidance and He is the God of provision. In Nehemiah verses 12-15, through it says, By a pillar of cloud you led them in the day and by a pillar of fire in the night to light for them the way in which they should go. You came down on Mount Sinai and spoke with them from heaven and gave them right rules and true laws, good statutes and commandments. And you made known to them your holy Sabbath and commanded them commandments and statutes and a law by Moses your servant. You gave them bread from heaven for their hunger and brought water for them out of the rock for their thirst. And you told them to go in to possess the land that you had sworn to give them god is a god of guidance and provision and it's not just guidance and where do i go in life i love what they're reflecting on is god did guide them through the wilderness um, but he guided them morally he gave them a moral compass you guys nothing is needed today like the foundation of truth because truth has been turned so far upside down on its head um, that i mean Our education system. It's insane Everything is based upon feelings Everything is based upon the subjective in our world and in our culture and people feel lost And they feel terrified because they don't know what to trust because they've been so Truth has been so deconstructed that it that it's actually created a despair that is ever increasing in our society Um, And what we need to reflect to people is that the truth is not is not a bunch of facts to memorize But the truth is actually someone That the world is is it constantly in ebb and flow, but jesus is the one who's the same He is the one who will guide And remember what jesus said. I love here that they're reflecting on god's Manifest presence in Israel, but we have something even more full and complete Because we live on the other side of calvary and on the other side of calvary Jesus said it is good that I go to the father for if I go to the father. I will send to you another helper The spirit of truth and he will what? Guide you into all truth and he will bring to remembrance all that I have said to you Do you believe that God has illuminated your path I think people get so obsessed with what's God's will for me personally um, I'm like I, don't, I'm, I think we should worry about that a lot less there's something I know what his primary will is love him and love our neighbor if we did those two things everything else would fall into place everything it's it, it's that simple and it's so simple that it, 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 it seems it, it seems complex Because if you were to actually ask the question does my life reflect this a love of god love of neighbor It all of a sudden you see it's the complexities of the world around us that hides the simplicity of the gospel from plain sight Jesus wants to strip away the things that are unnecessary in our lives so that we can live in the fullness of his presence he is the guide And he is also the one that provides and what we have to recognize is there is nothing that we have That we have not received He is the gift. He is the guide He is the one who saves He is the source of all real power. He is the creator your creator He created you because he loves you. It's his nature to love Uh, Not because you're lovable, but because it's who he is in the core of his being and he is sovereign He is Lord, whether you recognize him as Lord or not. And so I just simply ask you today, are you recognizing the very presence of Jesus in this place? He loves you. He's with you. We're going to go into a time of worship and a time of prayer and a time of communion. And I want us to reflect on this God who is present. You know, I think it's actually, it, it, it almost becomes a waste of time to become overly speculative about the nature of God. I think what we need as a church is to experience the very person of Jesus Jesus is the final revelation of the father everything he has to say he has said in his son and continues to say to us in his son and this is the only thing I'm willing to take to the bank every day for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish of everlasting life everlasting life is knowing him knowing him Do you know him? Do you know the God of the Bible? Is he your God? Have you looked into the face of Jesus the author and the finisher of your faith? And are you trusting his spirit to actually be the source of power? The one who guides the one who illuminates and the one who provides what is necessary as we navigate the insanity of a world that he has not lost his grip on God knows the end of the story and the end of the story is good but it does get harder before it gets better. And that's just the redemptive process. Everything has to come to a death before it can be reborn, including us. Um, and so, may we recognize He who is the resurrection and the life this morning. Amen? Let's pray.